Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. No one asked any of us if we wanted to be born. None of us were consulted. None of us had any say. All of us here today, we were all brought into existence without our consent. And what an existence it is, too. Full of suffering, much difficulty, and an existence for all of us which ends in death. Nobody asked us about that either. They didn't ask us if we wanted to be born, and they didn't ask us what kind of a life we wanted. We might say, are we truly free? Are we truly free? Apparently not. We're not self-determining. We're not even free to decide what kind of an existence we would like to have. We're not free to determine our beginning or our end. And this is the fate of every human being, born without consent, and dying with or without our consent. And yet as Christians, the gospel that we believe, that we proclaim, that we hold so dear, promises us true freedom. True freedom to those that believe. Freedom from necessity and freedom from death. Even though we all shall die. What is this freedom that we long for, that we feel so deeply, and how do we attain it? Well, it lies at the end of a path, at the end of a, a journey, a road. At the end of this path and this journey, this road, there's a door. There's a door through which we must pass, and on the other side of that door, indeed, lies the freedom that we thirst for. That door, of course, is our death. And every human being will pass through it. And even though this door is for those of us who believe it is the door of life, it will not be the door of life to everyone. Only to those who pass through it willingly, in faith, through love, by their own voluntary will, their own embrace. Man's problem is that he is afraid of this door. He is afraid of death. Afraid of losing his present self, losing his body, losing this existence that we have here now. And this fear causes a great anxiety. And what we do because of this fear and this anxiety is we do everything we can to avoid death. To prolong this present existence at all costs. And we've gotten very good about that in our present age, haven't we? Even though this present existence is corrupt, I mean it does get better. Even though this present existence is corrupt and full of pain, it's the one thing that keeps us from death. And so we cling to it. It's the one thing that forestalls death. And so we hold on to it. It is our only hope to maintain it and prolong it. 
It is in this blindness and fear of death that we fail to trust God. While we seek to preserve this present corrupt existence for as long as possible. And we even turn it into an idol. Something that we worship. You know, after Adam sinned and death was introduced into his existence, God in his mercy, if you remember the story, he appointed a great angel with a flaming sword to stand in front and guard the tree of life. Why did he do this? He did this because man certainly would have gone and eaten of the tree of life. Sure as you and I are trying to prolong this existence. He would have gone and he would have eaten of the fruit of immortality and in doing so he would have been immortally corrupt, forever trapped for all eternity in his corrupt existence. God wasn't going to allow this to happen and so he prevented man from ever tasting of that immortal fruit and being locked in to this mortality Instead, God made a door. He made a passage through which man could pass and escape this corrupt existence. He could escape this suffering and he could find true freedom and true life. God's gift to man. Yes, it's a bold thing to say, but Christianity is bold. God's gift to man, his way of escape, is death. Not a generic death. Not even your death or my death. Not our death. Not the simple consequential death because of sin. Not the death that the devil deals in. No, all those are unholy deaths. The gift of God to man, which is death, is the death of His Son, Jesus Christ. It is His death that is our gift, our way out, our way through. It is His death that is the door. It is His voluntary death, His passion, His loving embrace of us in our corruption. His death as we contemplate it and gaze upon it. This is His love. It is His power. It is His deliverance. His death is the recreation of mankind. It is His gift to us. Through His death, He's transformed death from our great enemy into our salvation. Your death in Christ is your salvation. It is your freedom. It is the door to eternal life. I think St. Maximus says he's retooled death into an instrument of life. As I said, every one of us, every human being will go through this door, but not everyone will experience it as life. Only those who embrace it. Strange thing to contemplate, but it is true. Only those who embrace it out of love for Jesus Christ and love for their neighbor. Only those who look to it willingly as their opportunity to embrace our Lord's passion. 
There is only one way, only one door to life, to becoming truly human, and that is for us to be willingly joined to Jesus Christ upon his cross. God has shown us how to live, how to be true human beings. We have seen it with our own eyes when we have seen him hanging upon his cross. When we see how God chose to die, we see what it means for us to live. When we see how God chose to die as a human being, that's when we will understand and see what it means for us to live. Our only hope is to ascend that same cross and to be affixed there with Christ and to enter into his passion and his death. He passed through the door of death and we have to follow him. We are followers of Christ, literally followers of Christ. You must follow him right up onto that cross and do it with faith, with joy even, with love. We will all die, but we will not all die willingly. Embracing our death is an opportunity to embrace Christ. And God will not, God cannot force you to do that. It requires your fiat, your cooperation, your active embrace. You must join him in death if you are going to know the power of his resurrection. We have lost, very much lost in our day, the centrality of this message of the gospel. We've lost it. You were born without your consent, that is true. But you do not have to die without your consent. You can die with your consent. And that is the only way to eternal life. You can be born without your consent and then you can give in to the fear of death and cling to this corrupt life and make an idol of it. And then you will die without your consent and your death will just be death. It'll just be death. It will not be the glorious passage into life that Christ has made it. A strange thing has happened to us. We are surrounded and confronted with death, maybe more than ever, through entertainment and, you know, the media and the age of information. We see it just everywhere. And yet, for all this exposure, we have lost any kind of real intimate connection with the meaning of death. It's become sanitized to us. We become none. It's just sort of an abstraction. And as a result, it's lost its meaning and we've even increased in our fear of death. And we fail to understand, we fail to understand this, that our entire life, this life that we are living, this existence, is about our death. <laughs> that that sounds so strange to you right now that I said it should give you a clue how far we have come from the gospel and the Christian faith. Your entire life is about your death. 
That is the truth. But we do not live that way. And we have failed to understand that. This life is not about this life. This life is about our death. Because our death is our life. This is not our life. This is about preparing and moving toward our death, which is our hope of our embrace of Christ, the crucified Lord. On the other hand, what we do is we do everything we can to ignore our death, hide from it. We don't think about it. We sanitize it. We sweep it under the rug. Even in the way that we die and deal with the bodies of our loved ones, you know, that we rush them off, hide them away. We used to bring them home and have a wake there for several days. It was very meaningful. It was very important. So we've sort of taken away any opportunity to connect with this meaningful moment with death in our own lives. All the while, we're all marching straight towards it. And we should be looking towards it as our great triumph. Not to be feared, but to be longed for in a way. That sounds strange, but that is the Christian hope. We are to look longingly towards our death. It is the door to eternal glory for us. And it will be for us the deepest, most intimate embrace of our Savior, of which this entire life is a preparation. When you were baptized, when you were baptized, you were baptized into the death of Christ. You were baptized into the death of Christ. I'm not sure we understand what that means in such a literal way. This whole present existence, all the little deaths we go through every day, I die daily, take up your cross daily. These are these little deaths. That's not the death you were baptized in. <laughs> these are little prefigurations of the death. The death is when you die. Your baptism is a prefiguration and a preparation and a strengthening in the spirit for you to die a holy death. That's what it is. In fact, that's what the Eucharist is. When you approach the chalice, when you receive the body and blood of our Lord and proclaim His death until He comes, you embrace His death in the Eucharistic feast and it becomes for you a preparation for you to embrace Christ in your own death. This is the witness of the martyrs. That's why we pay so much attention to the saints and the martyrs. And we always say that in their death is when they are truly born. They are born in their death, just like your baptism. It is the font, it is the womb of the church. You die in baptism and are born again. You are born to new life. Well, the martyrs, at their death, at their martyrdom, they are truly born. That is their birthday. And they all say that they are not truly alive until they die. They say this again and again. That they become true human beings in and through their death 
for the sake of Christ. And in our liturgical calendar, we always celebrate their birthday, their feast day, on the date of their death. The second century, Saint Ignatius, a great saint of the church, he was on his way to be martyred in Rome, and he wrote several epistles, and this epistle he wrote to the Romans as he was going there to be thrown to the wild beasts. He writes and he says, All the pleasures of the world and all the kingdoms of this earth shall profit me nothing. It is better for me to die on behalf of Jesus Christ than to reign over all the ends of the earth. For what shall a man be profited if he gain the whole world but lose his own soul? Him I seek who died for us. Him I desire who rose again for our sake. This is the gain which is laid up for me. You say, well, he had Christ. Not in his mind. Yes, yeah, deposit. For him, laying hold of Christ meant getting devoured by the beasts. He was going after Christ through death. There was no question in his mind that's what it meant for Ignatius. This is the gain which is laid up for me. Pardon me, brethren. Do not hinder me from living. He really means dying. Do not hinder me from being killed by the beast. He calls that living. Do not hinder me from living and do not wish to keep me in a state of death, meaning this present state. Let me live. Let me die so I can live, is what he's crying out. And while I desire to belong to God, do not give me over to the world. Allow me to obtain pure light. When I have gone there, I shall indeed be a man of God. When I've gone there, I shall be a man of God. Permit me to be an imitator of the passion of my God. May I enjoy the wild beasts that are prepared for me, and I pray they may be found eager to rush upon me. Then he says, Now I begin to be a disciple. Now I begin to be a disciple. Let fire in the cross, let the crowds of wild beasts, let tearings, breakings, dislocations of bones, let cutting off of members, let shatterings of the whole body, and let all the dreadful torments of the devil come upon me. Only let me attain to Jesus Christ. So you can live a holy life, you can live a virtuous life by the grace of the Spirit. You can die daily. You can take up your cross. All of it consummates. All of it consummates in your perfection, which is your passage through death. All of it. He has lived for his Savior all these years. And he says, now I have only begun to be a disciple. Let me attain unto Jesus Christ. Despite our grief and sorrow on this day, and we do grieve and mourn, many tears have been poured out and many more will be shed. Despite this, we were all able, and I can attest, Shane and Anna walked through this whole experience with faith and grace, tremendous grace, and uh, intimacy 
that is difficult to describe, an intimacy. All of us have faced Gabriel's death, not with utter despair, with grief, yes, but also with hope. It was so important to us that he be able to be baptized and receive the Holy Spirit. And what God did seems to us like a miracle. I've been told by the bereavement nurse that in 20 years she's only seen this happen one other time. I didn't know if it was a miracle, but she seemed to think it was a miracle. And I was thinking today that within an hour, within one hour, little Gabriel had three births. Three births in one hour. One more glorious than the next. First, he was born a man into this world, weak and helpless. Then moments later, he was born by water and the Spirit into the kingdom of God and joined to the body of Christ. And then just moments later, he was born into heaven by the angels who were appointed to his care. So he performed no great exploits in his short life on this earth. And yet to us, to us, he is a martyr because he is a witness. He is a witness. He is a witness of the life-giving death of Jesus Christ through the faith of his parents and the faith of this, his church. He embraced the passion of Christ and he entered into eternal life. The only way that you can perceive this is if you are close to the events that occurred in an intimate way. Maybe just by faith, maybe at home praying. If you're just a bystander, then you've not seen or experienced what truly occurred. It is because we were able in this instant to share in an intimate and a personal way, in everything that happened, to get close to the holiness of death through Gabriel's death. We got close and experienced the holiness of death through his death and through your faith and the faith of his parents. In this way, he has ministered to all of us as a witness and a martyr of the power and love of God, truly the holiness of death, and of the hope for all of us that lies at the end of our race. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.